Lead me in the land of uprightness. In other words, he wants, he wants the Spirit to lead him. Psalm 143.10, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your Spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. David, Psalm 151.10, after he confessed his sin, what's he prayed? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, I don't think he's talking in salvific, soteriological terms. He's reflecting back what's, what happened to Saul. Remember what happened to Saul after his disobedience? The Spirit was taken from Saul for his ability in ruling as a king and was placed on David. And he's thinking of that in terms of his disobedience. So I think what here Luke is, is uh, uh, stressing is that uh, you need divine illumination, you need divine guidance, you need God to direct your steps, you need the Holy Spirit. You ask Him, you pray those prayers found in the Psalms. And then here, the argument is from the lesser to the greater. Look, if his friend responds and gives him, prayer, gives him bread, how much more will a gracious God respond and give good gifts to his children. Now, here's what we're not taught. We're not taught to ring out and answers the prayer from a reluctant father. If you, if you just keep banging on the door, you just keep praying, and maybe, you know, if you twist God's arm hard enough, he'll, he'll grant it. No, it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. This is God in heaven above. He loves his children. He'll give good gifts to his children. Uh, have you ever heard this? Some misconstrue the sovereignty of God and remove human responsibility. Now, I strongly believe in the sovereignty of God, but there's also human responsibility. And, and some will say, well, God already knows what you need, so don't bother him. Look, this teaches just exactly the opposite of that. God is sovereign. He knows what we need, but our responsibility is to come. And this one teaches that if we come, God will hear an answer. It's not a blank check request for whatever we want, but I submit to you it is a blank check for the character of the people of the kingdom of God in our spiritual lives. Now I want to go back to Matthew chapter 7. Boy, I'm not going to get to the, to the two ways, two gates, two destinations. But I, th this was so helpful for me to think through. I hope it, it's helpful for you this morning. When you go to back to Matthew chapter 7 and 7 through 11, so ask and it will be given to you. Go on seeking repeatedly. You'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. So in the context of the Sermon of the Mount, what should we be asking for? Well, what Jesus has been teaching so, go back to chapter 5 and watch this. I get up in the morning. I got all kind of concerns. I know how to get into the kingdom of heaven from a human responsibility. It's a responsibility to repent and believe upon Christ. And I know that these blessings, these beatitudes, are, are God pronounces these people. These people have God's approval. What's the first one? Poor in spirit. So what do I pray? I ask myself, am I poor in spirit? Well, I have been 
to come into the kingdom, I'm, I'm spiritually bankrupt. I have no goodness, no merit to before God. But how about ongoing in the Christian life? John chapter 15. He's the vine. My father is the vine dresser. See? Unless you draw resources from that vine spiritually, here's what you can do. Nothing. Jesus said you can't do anything. Oh, you can sin, but you can't, you can't produce spiritual fruit unless you abide in him. So I ask myself, is that, is that how I function in the Christian life? Do I abide in Christ? Do his words abide in me? Do I abide in his love? Abide in his love in John 15 means you, you obey him with the right heart, with the right attitude. And then I go, blessed are those who mourn. Do I mourn? There's joy at the, at, at the end, rejoice and be glad, so it's not you run around gloomy all the time. But do, do, do I ever mourn over my sin as a believer? Does sin really bother me when I disobey God? Am I quick to repent? Does the sins of others bother me? Do I mourn over the sins of others? People come to me and I, I got problems with my own sin and I see sins of, sins of others and they wake me up at night and am I praying for them, loving them, caring for them? We live in a sinful world. Wow, what's happening in our country? Does that really produce mourning in my life over what is happening in our country and the whole abandonment, really, of truth on a wholesale scale and in, in our political leadership. Not everyone, but go to the White House. I, I don't see a lot of truth up there right now. Does that, does that bother me? Do I mourn? Do I throw rocks? Or do I actually wake up in the night? Oh, God, help us. Help us. We need help from heaven. And the meek. Am I meek? That word, go to Psalm 37. It talks about the meek will inherit the earth. Not the proud, not the arrogant, but the meek. The people who don't retaliate and return evil for evil. But they submit to God. And they're dependent upon Him. And they trust God to vindicate them. And then I come down, hunger and thirst after righteousness. What kind of righteousness? God's divine standard for what is right. Do I get up each day and I cry out to God, Lord, this day, <laughs> help me, help me. God, I need help from heaven to hunger and thirst after righteousness, not my own pursuits. Keep me from spinning my wheels. Help me to seek your standard. You know what? What's the answer? You're going to be filled. And then you get up the next day and you do it over again. And merciful. Am I a merciful person? I see somebody out lost, blind, alienated. Maybe it's physical misery they're in. A merciful person looks upon that and does something about it. Lord, would you make me more like this? How about pure in heart? Now, if you come over to my house and we go down to the pond and I put a little glass of water, a glass, and I, it's clear glass, and I pull it up, what do you think that water is going to look like? I'm not taking a drink, and I don't want you to take a drink and get sick because it's going to have sediments in it. It's not going to be pure, crystal clear. And so I ask myself, what's my life like when God looks at it? Man looks on the outer appearance. God looks on the heart. Are there still sediments in my life? 
impurities. I'm positionally pure, but am I practically pure in my life, in my heart? God, give me purity of heart. I'm going to see God. I was encouraged on Tuesday. Um, thank you for Roger and Brenda for the privilege and honor of speaking at your mom's memorial service. And while we're waiting, I was walking out there and seeing tombstones and see what people put on their tombstones. And here's one. Here's their epitaph. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. For they'll see God. Lord, make me, make me increasingly pure in heart and make me a peacemaker, not a compromiser of truth, but taking the principles of God and, produce, and trying to introduce shalom, peace, where, there, where there's friction. And if you do that, you're going to have the character of one of the sons of God. And when I'm persecuted and people saying, oh, you know, we're on the right side of history, you're on the wrong side of history for believing the Bible and all those types of things, say, do I say, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. But they have to persecute you because of righteousness. And then you come down to the next section. You're the salt of the earth. Do I act like the salt of the earth? We, we have a decaying world. It's getting more morally rotten. Does my influence retard that to some extent? And another function of salt? Do people look at my life and become thirsty for God? Or they just look at me and go, hey, he proclaims this message. I don't see anything different about his life. How about the light of the world? We're told we're the light of the world. What are we supposed to do? Let our light shine. How do you do that? You live godly lives so that people would give glory to our Father who is in heaven. And then you come down to all these characteristics that Jesus is exposing hypocrisy and, and superficiality, and you come to the first one. I've never murdered anybody physically, but I guarantee you I've committed murder of the heart. Forgive me, oh God. Remove sinful anger from me. The wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Make me quick to hear, slow to wrath. Lord, would you work in my heart in that regard? Help me to be reconciled with other people. And sexual immorality points out adultery. But, but what about the thought? Is my thought life pure? Young people who aren't married yet, what's, what's your thought life? You, you can't look at pornography and have a pure thought life. It's impossible. And that's a plague that's falling upon the church of Jesus Christ, not just the world. And so I pray, Lord, I pray this daily. <laughs> Lord, keep, keep me not just from physical adultery and from mental adultery, but keep me from spiritual idolatry where I want the approval of the world. I want to think like the world. I want to look like the world. I want to act like the world. Oh, God, keep me from that. Then we, we come down to divorce and 
and marriage, and I say, Lord, help me to protect, help me to love my wife as Christ has loved the church, so there'll be no occasion. I don't want to just live under the same roof. I want to enjoy being under the same roof. I want mercy and grace in our marriage. I want to come home and put my arm around my wife and enjoy our marriage. We, we, we keep going. 33 through 37, how about my word? Is, can my word be counted upon? I, I give my word towards God, I give it to other people. Do I look for any occasion to break it? Am I a man of integrity with, with my word? How about retaliation? Um, am I willing to give up some of my rights so that God would be honored and glorified? How about my enemies? Do I love my enemies and pray for them? Not so that they'll come back and do the same thing for me, but so that I would be sons of my Father who is in heaven. And then I come down to chapter 6. Do I practice my righteousness to be seen by others? Or do I go to my own private spot in my house? Nobody else sees me. Maybe my wife can hear me in there mumbling. I don't know. But do I, do I pray? and call out to God, and know that he hears. Look, every one of you who is a believer, you take this seriously, you start praying that God would make these characteristics true in your life, and you have the assurance. You, you ask, it'll be given to you. You seek, and you'll find. You knock on heaven's door. He's not a reluctant God. We're far more slower to the ask than God is to give. What would Grace Bible Church be like if we all did that every day? Oh, God, make us makes this truth real in my life and in our lives. Do am I do do when I'm anxious and concerned about things, do I remove God from the picture? Or do I bring God in and trust him? Judgmentalism. Do I seek to get the beam out of my own eye before I go to my brother? Do I have discernment? Do I give dogs what is holy and pearls before pigs? This is, this is such a precious passage. Because it's not just for me, it's for you. And if you will do this, and you will follow this these are assurances that you can have a blank check for the spiritual qualities that are needed in your life. You start praying for these things, you're praying for the right kind of things, and God's going to give them to you. And we'll grow in grace, and our assurance of the forgiveness of sin will be even greater. Boy, I'm way out of whack. I lost where I was at in the PowerPoint. I got to flip down quickly. Oh, I did, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll get to the sheep and wolves next week. Um, uh, the two fruits, false prophets, false teachers, quick, fast, hurry, go, George, go. Here we go. Back up. <laughs> Read this with me in conclusion. May God make us a people 
in our lives that call upon the living God and have the assurance based upon Scripture that He hears. You ever do that repeatedly and you go, am I, am I just doing a routine as usual? I can't see God. Does He really hear my prayers? Is it really worthwhile every day for me to get up and keep praying for the same things? Oh, yeah, it is. It is. Don't, don't take my word for it. Take God's words right here. Oh, thank heaven for Matthew 7, 7 through 11. And if you're struggling with your assurance of your forgiveness of sin, try this one on. Read it together with me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You have an imperfect pastor. Thank you for praying for me. It's reciprocal, and I pray for you as well that we'd be a praying people privately and publicly and know the truth of this text.